Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. The show is heard on WBCQ of the Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. It repeats on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. You can also hear this show on Podomatic.com. And I'm very pleased to announce that we're now number two in conservative programming on that uh, station on Podomatic.com. Uh, we were, uh, we've been top 10 for a while, you know, as it goes, sometimes we get down to 15 or 20 and then we'll post a few shows and promote it and po- copy and paste on various Facebook pages and emails, et cetera. And we get back in the top 10. Uh, Chris Ann Hall had been number one for the longest time. And I thought, what happened? And, well, she just changed formats. So that's why we're number two, because we'd be at least number three if uh, Chris Ann Hall's shows were still on Podomatic. But we do encourage you to visit Podomatic and just put in Camp Constitution, or you put my name in, Hal Shirtless, and the show will pop up. And please uh, follow. Uh, it's like uh, subscribing if it was a YouTube channel, uh, but in this case, follow. And then uh, you can see all the different shows, not just uh, not just the shows themselves, but we do have some some other classic interviews, Gary Allen, um, Anthony Sutton, and and many others that uh, I think of um, of an of an interest. Uh, it's the show was brought to you by Camp Constitution, which among other things runs a week long family camp. And next year's camp is July 28th to no, uh, November 3rd. Yeah, July 28th to August 3rd. And we've lined, already lining up some great instructors, uh, a few people that are new to the camp and some that are returning. And one of those that is returning is Debbie Bacicalupi. And Debbie uh, came to camp uh, this year. She did a great class on Agenda 21. And we videotaped all the classes and uh, there's a few that didn't quite get up. Uh, I think there was a few of the junior classes and some of the workshops that we didn't didn't uh, videotape. But uh, her class on Agenda 21, California Wildfires and Agenda 21, I think is what we entitle it, is gaining a lot of popularity just in the last few days. I think something like six to 8,000 views, I think because of what's happened in California. The left is trying to blame it on, of course, uh, global warming, climate change. Uh, but the reality is it's more, there's a few things at play here. One of them, of course, is the enormous environmental regulations that's making it very, that's been made it very difficult to cut, uh, to, I mean, to clean, clear out the underbrush uh, and also the cattle's grazing uh, on the grass. The cattle would eat the grass. The grass wouldn't catch fire, and a lot of uh, a lot of the fires are from the you know the enormous amounts of uh, grass grass fires. Uh, and of course, uh, that's one town called Paradise. I think 80% of the town was destroyed by fire. And it's it's almost as if the um, the left wants this to happen. They want to drive people off the land. And that's part of the Agenda 21 plan. Um, and there's, uh, it was interesting that there was an article 
written by a left-wing news source. I posted it on our Camp Constitution Facebook page. It says that uh, YouTube is ter- ter- horrible YouTube that is allowing these videos talking about conspiracy theories in uh, California wildfires and Agenda 21. And of course, this typical leftist Marxist perspective, they, they, they build up the straw man. They get some extreme examples of what some people claim to believe uh, shapeshifters and silly things. And then they must assume that anyone who dares question the official report is, an, is in this category. And that's typical. And, but this kind of blows up in their face because uh, people are used to that, this style. They read that and they, they read between the lines and then they go check the videos out. So I got to thank them. Sometimes the left, uh, they're, they're just so arrogant. Their contempt and hatred, they just think everybody must think the way we think, except for a tiny percentage of people. So it was really good to see that. And as a result, uh, more people are getting a chance to see some truth. And I do admit, though, there's a, there is some stuff that's uh, over the top, to say the least, on YouTube. But I think smart people can uh, discern. But one of the things that bothers me is that there are some people that are in our sort of uh, in our general belief system that will go out of their way to criticize small little things. Now, some of these people probably are trolls, but I mean, for goodness sakes, uh, give us someone give someone a shot in the arm and encourage people. And if you got something to say, if you have constructive criticism, we're all ears, you know. Uh, you don't have to post negative things. You should encourage, uh, unless you're doing. Why don't you do it? You have such so much criticism. What are you doing in the freedom fight? What are you doing to expose this? You know, instead of getting or some people see this, uh, see these kinds of things, and they get discouraged. Oh, it's too late. The world's coming to an end. Well, it's not too late. And if you feel that way, don't discourage other people. The worst, the best weapon that the enemy has is discouragement. Some people give up before they even start. Oh, I'm burned out. Gee, I spent three days reading a book and I, I posted something on Facebook. I'm burned out. Well, that's uh, we hear that on occasions too. Um, <clears throat> another busy week uh, last week in the news, uh, the, the border crises. Uh, and uh, it, it's amazing that... Um, the, that the left will say, oh, this is terrible. These poor children are being tear gassed and all. Yeah, it, it's a terrible thing. It's an unfortunate thing. But these little children are nothing but pawns. They're putting in harm's way on purpose. And I think Americans begin to see that. And it's interesting, though. I remember very vividly the uh, Waco uh, tragedy back in 93 when they lobbed tear gas inside a building, not just outside, which, you know, is bad enough, but at least you have a chance to uh, get, get away from it, but inside a building. And as a result, the place burned to the ground and 26 children, children were killed. And how did Hollywood respond? They had a movie before the blood was even dry, uh, making Koresh look out like he's some kind of maniac. You know, it was ridiculous. So, so they don't really have a problem with using tear gas per se. In fact, the tear gas they used in Waco was banned. It was banned internationally. But, oh, Janet Reno didn't, didn't know that, you see. Poor Janet. She did the best she could. You know, we had to do something. You know? So they're being used as pawns, and they really think that the borders should be totally open. Now, instead of people from uh, South America and Central America, if there were 4 million boars coming in from South Africa, they would be using bullets 
They wouldn't want these Christian conservatives coming in this country. Oh, no. So it's all politics. It's, uh, and I do feel bad for these poor children, and I do feel bad for people living in third world stinkholes. But you're not going uh, to improve a nation. If the best people leave that nation in droves, it's only going to get worse. And, they're gonna, and the worst people coming to this country, our country is going to become a third world stinkhole. And that's really the agenda, folks. That's the bottom line. So um, what else was there? I, uh, last, the last show we did, we had a man named Bill Brown, William Brown from Connecticut. And he's with a group, Save the Persecuted Christians. And I got a chance to visit a church in Framingham, Massachusetts uh, this past Saturday, a few days after Thanksgiving. And I got a chance to look at some of the banners, not just the pictures, but some of the banners that, they, that, that he had on display. And he actually loaned me one. Um, and what I'm, what I'm trying to do is get some of these banners in, um, in, in public venues. So um, I contacted my city councilor. Now, the city of Boston, the uh, mayor is a far leftist, uh, an opportunistic type that uh, has embraced the far left. Uh, I don't think uh, he's actually read every Marxist uh, book out there. I think he just promotes the far left because that's what he thinks he has to do to stay in office and stay in power and his constituency. So that's what he does. Um, uh, Anyway, uh, the city council is nothing more than a rubber stamp. The Boston City Council has been nothing more than a rubber stamp for uh, the mayor. Now, they might every once in a while criticize him, but pretty much uh, unanimous, whatever left wing, whatever the Democrat National Committee or George Soros is promoting or the Rockefeller Foundation, they will completely back it. Um, And last, it was last summer in City Hall in Boston, they had a display of about 50 photos of Muslims that lived in greater Boston. And it was a display against Islamophobia. I guess that's another term, um, fear of Islam or what have you. Now, I am not in favor of harassing people or bullying people or, uh, you know, making fun of them or whatever. You know, I think that's wrong. Uh, but you, uh, So I thought, well, if they're uh, putting on a display to counter Islamophobia, why can't we put on a display to uh, point out the Christians that are being persecuted, murdered, tortured, treated as second and third class citizens in several in nations around the, around the world? And that includes Mexico, where uh, priests are being, you know, it's, uh, not treated as equal, uh, treated badly. In fact, for the longest time, uh, a clergy member of any of any uh, denomination couldn't wear their, uh, their their collar out in public. Um, in other countries, they're being tortured: Syria, Turkey, and it was co- kind of fascinating that, uh, uh, of course, one of these are Muslim countries. Muslims in communist countries are where most of this is happening. And there are certain things in other countries, uh, Western Europe, that are, they're not favorably disposed towards Christians, but it's Right now, it's not outright uh, persecution and torture. Now, in Canada, if you say homosexuality is a sin and you pass out uh, pamphlets and brochures, that can be considered a hate crime. They put you in jail. If you're a Christian homeschooler in Germany, you go to jail. So there is persecution in some of these Western countries, but it's right now it's not as, as bad as it is in uh, countries that are Muslim countries, Turkey, Egypt, uh, 
and, and in some cases, the, the leaders themselves of these countries aren't the persecutors. It's just the, the, the stuff that goes on. Uh, Egypt, uh, I know Egypt has uh, the Coptic Christian Church was, I think, about 10% of the country. Syria, where there is persecution, but it's not done by the leader of the country, Assad, who actually protects them. But nevertheless, a lot of these countries are in good standing with, obviously, the city of Boston, communist China, for example. Uh, they raised the communist flag to honor the communist revolution, City Hall Plaza. They just raised the Turkey, the flag of Turkey uh, in City Hall Plaza. And uh, so, but for some reason, they do not like the idea of bringing uh, attention to this. Uh, and I, I tried to get a hold of my city councilor, who was a, a far leftist, uh, no response. In fact, I posted some of the pictures of these banners on his Facebook page. And within a short time, they were taken down. So uh, it looks like he's cutting off diplomatic relations with me. So I'm going to have to uh, craft a letter to the newspaper, maybe an open letter to him. Maybe I'll get his attention. There was another thing, too, on his Facebook page. Uh, he Somebody had posted uh, a left-wing uh, group. Was, he had posted something from a left-wing group uh, demanding that Governor Baker, who is another far leftist, uh, pass a bill that will spend millions of dollars teaching people how to read some literacy bill and i'm thinking yeah that's that's the last thing we need is more money being spent to teach a method that doesn't work so i just posted the sam blumenfeld archive information and i said no need to spend millions of dollars on this failed program i said we have a successful program and it's free and i pointed out that learning to read should not be politicized learning to read should be available to people everywhere and here is a proven source, and it's free. Here's the link, you know, campconstitution.net, and then you see the Blumenfeld uh, archives. And I think that was lit on his Facebook page for about 15 minutes. And I actually did screenshots, you know, when I posted it. And then uh, I checked, every, you know, every, every five minutes, and then within 15 to 20 minutes, it was gone. So that demonstrates that the left does not really want to solve the literacy problem because it could be solved very inexpensively they don't want people to learn how to read properly and that was something way back in 1898 with John Dewey John Dewey wrote an essay which we actually put back in print uh, at the request of Sam Blumenfeld and actually Sam wrote the foreword and it was an article he wrote in the magazine and he said in so many words that a literate nation is not necessary so they don't want a literate nation. And what happened was back in, uh, back in the 1840s, uh, a man named William Gallaudet, he was a reverend who uh, ran the uh, Harvard School for the Deaf, he created a method to teach deaf people how to read. And we now call it the look-say method. And of course, if you're deaf, you can't make sound, you can't hear sounds. So this was a good way to teach deaf people how to read as best as they could. And he uh, thought, well, if this works for deaf people, maybe this system could be used to teach people that have hearing, young people that have hearing. And it was introduced in the Boston schools in the 1840s. And after two years, it was rejected soundly, said this is not working. This is okay for deaf people, but not for us. And it didn't resurface until the 1930s um, with the infamous horrible Dick and Jane books, the Dick and Jane Readers where they basically crippled the uh, 
reading abilities of young people. In 1956, Rudolf Fleisch, who was a socialist from Vienna, Austria, who had come here uh, to avoid the Nazi uh, persecution, he wrote the he figured it out. And Sam Blumenfeld, who uh, in the early 60s, Sam Blumenfeld uh, was asked to become a member of a reading reform institution by a friend of his. Uh, uh, and he said, why would we have to do this? Reading is so simple. He says, well, there's a big problem now in this country. You need to read a book, Why Johnny Can't Read, by Rudolf Fleisch. And Sam read the book, and it changed his life. In fact, Sam took Rudolf Fleisch. Rudolf Fleisch had done some good research, but Sam went well, well way beyond what Fleisch had done. And uh, so here it is, uh, a very inexpensive way to teach people how to read, and it's rejected. And so that's, that's, that does speak volumes. It speaks volumes about uh, the educational system in our country and, uh, and how relatively easy it is to learn how to read. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about the culture war that we're engaged in in our country and what we need to do to push back. A lot of people will say, okay, you give me all this bad news, all these horrible things that are happening, but what are you going to do about it? So when you ask that question, you better be prepared to take notes and to do something even as little as going on a line and, 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 and making an inquiry or, you know, making a phone call or posting something. That's doing something. You know, the, there was a group in Massachusetts. Uh, they have this thing called the five-minute activist, right? Um, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, sports. Spectator sports, have be, it's, a, it's a multi-billion dollar business. And it was kind of interesting when you see uh, right, be, right before World War One, where uh, spectator sports was really was culminating, uh, get, you know, getting getting real popular, uh, a lot of people uh, really looking into it. it was a great distraction, um, and I'm not against watching a ball game once in a while. I think it's it could be fun. It's a, I love going to minor league games, but we, it's become an obsession, and the culture the cultural Marxists understand this very well. And they're working very hard to promote their, their Marxist agenda throughout the sports. And so you see uh, ba- uh, the, the football players that are kneeling before the national anthem, protesting Black Lives Matters, as somehow disrespecting the American flag is going to address the problem that might be happening in your city or your town or your county. Uh, and, of course, once the game's over, do you think that these people that are kneeling really are doing anything about some of the some of the abuses of the court system what have you no i don't think so they have a little too good but they can kneel and look good in front of some of their left-wing fans uh but they kind of outrage a lot of uh, conservative fans and uh another thing you'll see especially in baseball because the month of june is when the baseball season is in full bloom uh june is now being designated as uh gay pride month and it stems from a, a riot, two nights worth of riots at a homosexual barroom in Lower Manhattan known as uh, Stonewall. And uh, that was a mob-owned seedy bar that had lost its license, and the police came in looking for um, a male prostitute, and the, the pat- patrons beat them up, and it happened a couple of days or whatever. And that is why June is celebrated. It happened in, I think it was June 28th of 1968 or 69. And that rainbow flag represents that event. Now, most people who see that don't really know the history of it. 
So uh, you'll see major cities uh, raising rainbow flags everywhere. Now the baseball has gotten into the act. It was in 2001 that the Chicago Cubs started having Pride Night or Pride Day and raising the, the rainbow flag in, in their stadiums, in the front of the stadiums. Um, so somebody got to them. Somebody or some people said, hey, you need to do this. You need to support this. So the Chicago Cubs, now practically every team. Now, what that has to do with the game of baseball, I'm not certain. I don't ask anything to do with the game of baseball, actually. Uh, there may be a tiny percentage of people who live that lifestyle that follow sports, but you could put flags up of all the other different types of fans, you know. Um, so, uh, and I have to say that since 9-11, uh, 2001, they do um, – a lot of the ballparks, they'll sing God Bless America at the seventh inning after they do uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, seventh inning stretch. Actually, I think they some of them have done the uh, God Bless America first. It's kind of interesting. You sing God Bless America, and if you really mean that God should bless America, then why are you embracing uh, in celebrating a sin that God frowns upon? It's kind of like, if God's going to bless us, you better get your act right. Um, so, and you also, they do some of the ballparks will fly the POW MIA flag because no doubt veterans, conservative, mostly veterans groups have said, hey, this is something you should do to honor the POWs and the missing in action. And you'll see a lot of flags, American flags flying at ballparks. And on holidays, they'll have the, the bunting, the red, white, and blue bunting. And you'll see stuff like that. So it's not totally captive by the left, taken over by the left. Um, even in football, they used to. I uh, just was watching a game the other day, and it showed some of the players kneeling after a game in prayer. They stopped showing that most of the time. So this particular, I'm sure this cameraman will probably be scolded for doing that. But a lot of the uh, players that are Christians and both sides of the team will do that. So that to me is a is a positive thing. But you don't see that as much as you see the kneeling in front of the national anthem. Um, so anyway. Uh, Getting back to the baseball, so what, what I decided to do um, is I thought, well, okay, uh, people are lobbying or pressuring local sports owners to fly flags and so forth. So I thought, well, why not fly the Christian flag uh, around the Christmas season? Now, well, there's always something in a baseball park. Mm-hmm. Teams there all you know year round, and people buy tickets and they'll see the flag at a distance flying. And also around the Easter season, and that's when the season begins. Most of the time, Easter celebrated in April, sometimes March, but the season starts in early April. So I suggested that uh, the uh, the Red Sox fly the Christian flag to to honor the you know the, the, the these two great events in the history of Christianity. And I said the fact is that a lot of your fans are Christians, and I think this would be really appreciated. So I did get a response from somebody at the um, at the park, and they just said, "Well, thank you for the suggestion." I even offered to give them the flag, you know. And I thought, well, you know, if I just it's just one person doing this in their eyes, it's just some kind of crank, you know. Who cares? But if a lot of people did this, then all of a sudden it's not just one person. Hey, we got a hundred requests yesterday. Yeah, we got the phone. The phones are, you know. Off the hook, you know, because all, so many people are requesting this. I'm getting tons of emails, and okay, this is I live in Boston. That's the team. What about the team that's closer to you? Uh, why not do the same thing? Go to their website, 
and look for public relations or community relations and see if you can get this and just request that they do it. Again, if you don't, you, you don't know what will happen. And maybe some of the more prominent pastors and Christian leaders will see this and say, yeah, this is a good idea. Maybe they get behind it. Because quite frankly, the reason why we're losing the culture war is because the pulpits of America are quiet. They don't want to rustle feathers. You know, they'll, uh, they'll have their congregations watch the games and have, have watch parties and, and all that and root for their teams and wear their logo, but asking them to do something like this uh, is not in their radar. So that's why you're not going to see too many clergymen initiate something like this. But I encourage folks to do that. There's something else, too. Um, I've been talking about the Christian flag uh, lawsuit that that we had filed against the city of Boston uh, <clears throat> on some of the shows. Uh, right now, we're waiting for we it's on appeal, and we're waiting for a date. But uh, <clears throat> and they say because it's called the Christian flag, it's a separation of church and state. Even though the city's flag is a Bible verse, and here they are part of display promoting the Islamic uh, faith and city hall and so forth. So. Um, but there are other flags to be flown uh, to promote uh, patriotic and conservative and causes. And one of them is the pro-life flag. Now, if you do a search, Google Images, for pro-life flag, uh, there's a couple of versions. And you can even create your own flag, uh, pro-life flag. But I, uh, I saw a version online, and I sent the um, artwork to a company in Tennessee in Nashville, uh, Flagworks, I guess it's called, and I asked them if they can make up a you know, flag, and they uh, they did a good they did a nice job um, with the flag. So uh, we're going to be so anyway. Uh, I don't have I don't have a nice studio here. I have to do this show from the confines of a busy household. So <laughs> anyway, forgive me for that. Anyway, one of these days we may get a studio or at least a nice room where I could have. Uh, a little soundboard and, and a nice set of headphones, what have you. Uh, that's off of, in the little distance. So as people bless us with funds and in space, uh, maybe that will happen. But anyway, um, so I had this flag made up, and I'm offering it to people. Uh, you know, if you live, uh, you know, if you get, if you have a place in your town or city or county that has what I refer to as a public access flagpole. Uh, why not uh, see if you can get it flown? And uh, I think the best time to do it would be in conjunction with the, um, well, any time is a good time. You can have a ceremony and fly the flag, especially if it, you have a pro-life group that's uh, a, a town or county or regional pro-life group. But uh, I do it in the wake, or I should say in the wake, but to commemorate the horrible Roe versus Wade decision, which was January 21st, I think, of uh 1973. I think that's the date. So there's a big uh, March for Life in Washington, D.C., uh, and other uh, pro-life groups around the country will have activity. Sometimes they have a chain, you know, people hold hands for long distances. But it would be, it would be nice to see this pro -li a pro-life flag also flying on the flagpole to remind people that there are lots of Americans that do not support abortion, that they support the life movement. So, um, you can check out our Facebook page and see a picture of it or just uh, the flag that I have. I actually did a short little uh, Facebook video 
uh, with a picture of the flag and what we like to do with it. So, uh, yeah, and, and it only costs us, I think, about $120 for a four, eight, four feet by eight feet outdoor nylon flag. Uh, you can have one. You can design your own. And I do. I encourage this because um, this is one way to little by little to capture the uh, culture war. You know, we're losing the culture war because we're not in the ring, you know, like the fighter in the other corner. He's been working out very hard and he's been fighting. He's got a lot of victories under his belt. And and then uh, and where are we? We're sitting not even in the ring in most cases. We sit there and say, oh, in an awful another thing. Oh, oh, look at this. They're, they're, look at the transgenders teaching and reading to kindergarten children in the public school. Ain't an awful. Oh, it's terrible. But you don't do anything about it. You know, there's, there's no pushback here. And this is just sort of a way to do that, just something that's sort of uh, that can be done. And, uh, and of course, you know, there's going to be a little backlash. But if you don't get backlash, it means you're not doing it right. If you, you're free to contact me, you can reach me on Facebook. Go to our campconstitution.net. Go to, uh, go to, um, you can email me, campconstitution1 at gmail.com, or call me. I'd be happy to take your call and uh, discuss this and see what you can do locally. You can invite uh, one of our speakers in, you know, and we can help you do this. Uh, uh, my phone number is 857-498-1309. Let me get that again. It's 857-498-1309. So we just have a few minutes left. Uh, oh, there's another thing, too. There's another suggestion here. The Gosnell movie. Uh, that movie, uh, which uh, it was called Gosnell, the Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer. Now, I don't think it's in the theaters at this point. And it's, at some point in the not-too-distant future, it will be available in DVD. And I would recommend getting a copy of that DVD and hosting it in public venues like local libraries, civic clubs, or what have you. Your best bet is to have it at a local library and and uh, churches and so forth. But this is a way to do, you know, outreach. And I'm, I'm not sure about the arrangements, but I'm, I'm, I don't think it'd be. Usually, you have to get some type of official permission from the, the company that puts it out. And on this hand, I don't think we're going. You're going to have a lot of problems. So with that, folks, I want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host Hal Shirtliff. And until next week, may God richly bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.